This is the Chicago Podcast Network. Hey everybody, thank you for downloading this episode of Out Front with AJ and Nick. I am Nick Sarantos here at our illustrious headquarters, joined over the interwebs and Skype by my good buddy AJ Signeri. AJ, say hello to the wonderful people. Hey, wonderful people. I like it when he says the wonderful. It's nice. It makes everyone feel better. Um, so today's show is going to be more focused on Illinois. And we're going to kind of talk about that. Before we get to any of that, you get the propers out of the way. You can find us on Facebook, Chicago Podcast Network, on Twitter, Chi-Town Podcast One. And you can email us on Gmail, Chicago Podcast Network at Gmail, where you can agree with us, disagree with us, or just tell us how much you love us, or that we should stop talking politics and go back to talking movies. Any of those things are more than acceptable to us. Um, and if you're going to be confrontational, understand that I am a crazy person who will fight with you uh, until I either win or you surrender. These, these, these are the ways of things. Speaking of which, so originally, AJ, when I was talking to you that yesterday about what we were going to do on today's show, we are going to focus on Illinois and all that, and I didn't tell you this while we were talking before the show, but I went to a family dinner last night, and uh, it was nice, and I got to see some family members I don't get to see very often, and then I was reminded, my good friend, of why I don't see these family members very often. What do you think happened? Um, the election came up. Um, personal attacks have been had. Uh, those are the two things I can think of. <laughs> well, you would be absolutely 100% correct. Um, so we get to dinner, and this is after day four of the story that Donald Trump wishes would go away because it leads them to have to sit around in the middle of an asteroid, look up at the sky, and simply yell, because I have to keep doing that joke. It's the Star Trek fan in me. The thing about this whole deal is it's like the most despicable thing ever. And this is the only candidate in human history who's like, yeah, I did something wrong. I'm going to double down. I'm going to go on George Stephanopoulos. And then I'm going to back that up later with another interview. Because I am blind to what people are saying. Or deaf. Or deaf, dumb, and blind. Uh, he's not dumb, which is... For those of you who don't know that it's not a question of intelligence, it's an inability to speak. So Donald Trump is not dumb, and we all wish that he was. My question is intelligence. Yeah, his intelligence, fine, but that's not what deaf, dumb, and blind means. No, but I'm still going to question his intelligence. Oh, well, and, and you have every right, too. Well, I, I don't know if it's, it's so much a question of intelligence as it is laziness, however you want to put it. But the man is – did you see John Oliver on Sunday? I did, and that was, as usual – superb he's the best at what he does he's the best at what he does i don't know anyone else who really does what he does but it's his show is always fantastic but the point that he made towards the end of we may be close to electing a narcissist who is incapable of comforting uh the families of dead soldiers is uh is a fair point and this is a man who is now how many times this week four times this week has attacked what what the media has started calling a gold star family, which just sounds a little too preschool to me, but whatever. And this uh, story just isn't dying as quick as his others because I think even like I've I've talked to some people here at the office who are just so thoroughly disgusted by what he did that even they're not going to vote for him now. And these are people who a week ago were all for him. Uh, it, this is really affecting his campaign. It's affecting the can- the the election in general. But I'm just curious, man. It's been a week it's been a couple weeks now of of the conventions and all of this we took our little break i'm where are you at 
with this Kazir Khan story and Donald Trump? I, mean, I knew it had legs as soon as Kaiser Khan reached into his jacket pocket and pulled out that constitution and said, you know, let me give you mine. Um, and that was the bullet that fired and started this Twitter war, this Sunday media blitz war, um, having Kaiser Khan on various outlets to talk about you know, his son and Trump and vice versa. Um, but I'm, I, it's, it's amazing how long it's been. It's been 72 hours that this has been going on. And, and I'm wondering if how long, if we can go like more than 72 hours. I mean, the mere fact that it has not died down because I thought it would quell some of Trump's rhetoric because you have somebody who has been affected by war, who's been affected by rhetoric that comes from a person that really wants to concentrate Muslims, you know? And so I figured, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a back, backlash, oh, not backlash, so backing down, um, maybe a little bit of a tone, toning down um, some of the rhetoric, but it's, it's just amping up. And if someone like Trump is going to amp up his rhetoric, when someone tells you over a television screen, you know, here's my constitution, um, it just furthers my own point that this is an unfit person to be a politician, to be a public servant, to even run a company, for Christ's sake. Um, so I, it's like I said, I, I knew it had legs. It's moving. I just didn't think it was going to move this quickly. And I'm sure this is going to go well into this coming weekend. Well, I had uh, somebody here at the office make a great point, which is if you pay attention to the fact that Hillary hasn't even really hit him on it yet. I mean, he's she, the, the Clinton campaign has done a really good job of just letting him, on this issue in particular, keep digging his own grave. And without any response from them, almost to the point where I haven't seen them on the news the last couple of days, he's just progressively getting worse. But this whole thing speaks, and President Obama, we're recording this on Tuesday, the 2nd of August, and President Obama made a, a great point this morning, uh, speaking about his, un, his inability to be president due to the fact that he's not willing to do the work, and I just I, I look at this whole scenario and, and it, it just it calls into question. You and I have had a few spirited discussions, and I'm sure that we'll have more about third party candidates and voting for a Jill Stein or um, a Mimi Solstice to um, Solstick Solstice Solstick Solstick. I don't know why I keep making her. It's all right. It's not all right. Um, but I keep making her a witching moon. The thing to me is there are two conversations to be had one who should you vote for and that's a different question but the real question here is is this man even fit to be the nominee for president of the united states and with each passing day he further proves that he is not and the people who voted for him you got to start wondering if there's going to come a point where it's buyer's remorse because he had massive amounts of support. He even had some pretty decent support coming out of the convention. And it's just getting 
whittled away. You know, Republicans who were hoping that he would kind of come back to the party have got to be disappointed. And this man is standing up there questioning the sacrifice of an American soldier, questioning the grief of a mother, and everyone seems to kind of agree that that, that this is a step too far. And even the Republicans who had supported Trump during the convention, or at least made the passing effort to try, are coming out against him. You've got John McCain railing against him, which is understandable considering the horrible things that Trump said about McCain. This is... I'm really starting to wonder, man, like we joked about it earlier in the year, but is this the, in your opinion, could this be the death knell of the Republican Party? Really? I'm, I'm, go ahead. I think, I think it really is. And then hopefully we'll talk more about it when we talk about, you know, Illinois state politics. Um, the Republican Party is really at a crossroads um, because they have nobody. They have nobody on their bench, if it were, you know, if we we're going to look at it as two basketball teams, you know, Democrats and Republicans, um, they don't have anyone in the starting lineup. They don't have anyone on their second string, you know. Um, all they have is just sparring players. That's all they have. They have no one that they can rely on. They don't have the 90s Bulls or the 80s Pistons or, um, you know, pick your favorite team. Um, they don't have anything. And the 1976 Seattle celebration. Huh? I was just the 1976 Seattle or St. Louis Flyers. Right? Sure. I mean, I mean, the Republicans don't have anything. And this is the person that they're going to rally behind. Um, it's the same thing here in Illinois where you had no one in the Republican primary. And you had this guy named Rauner come about. And he won the primary, and it's like, well, he won, so we have to get behind him. No, you don't have to do that. You know, you have a voice, you have a vote, you know. And if I was a ranking Republican person, you know, I would be adamantly against this. I would be saying, you know, this is the problem that we have, and we need to change how we look at things. We have to change our structure. We have to change something but they won't, and they will not do it because they are so um, solidified in this model of how to run candidates, how to run an organization. And when you have someone like Trump come about who is just pretty much, I think John Oliver said this, you know, Trump is the very essence of Facebook comments, you know, it, it moves, it speaks, you know, every time you have a Facebook troll or just layers upon layers of Facebook comments or even mean tweets, this is the guy who's in humanoid form and it, it is the most nastiest, most uh, uh, egregious person that... That, that anyone could imagine. You know, this is the worst nightmare and everything. And I love how Larry Wilmore, when he talks about, you know, Trump or Clinton, he kind of pose, poses a um, Trump as Godzilla and Hillary Clinton as like... Um, Mothra. She's Mothra. Is it Mothra? Because I thought it's it was Mo- more like metallic no, it's, it's Godzilla. It's, it's Mothra. It's Mothra. Uh, it's it, the lightning out of the eyes. It's Mothra. Yeah. One of my favorite movies as a kid was Godzilla versus Mothra. So I mean, I mean that's what I like is when he does that kind of thing because it's true. And 
we don't know how to handle this beast who's just stomping over everything. And it's like, what do you do? You know, I mean, I mean, can we throw other things at him? And quite honestly, if I may, we kind of need a suicide squad to take him down. Okay. I mean, you know, it's a timely reference. The movie comes out Friday. Uh, you like that? I do. I do like that. And, and we're going to get to Illinois in a second here. But the last thing I want to ask you about with this with this moron, and that's what I'm, I'm just what, – what, what was the phrase? Like jackass von hairpiece? Yeah. Um, he is so divisive right now. And there are states where he can't even come and campaign for other people. Like if you're an Illinois Republican, you don't want him in Illinois. No matter what level of government you're looking at, I mean, you don't you for the at least up on the northern part of Illinois, uh, you don't want him around. He's 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 going to actually hurt your uh, chances at winning as opposed to helping. And it's it's just getting to the point where if you're the modern Republican Party, you got to as you said, like there's nobody on the bench. You've got to start taking a long look at the people in your party and seeing if you can start bringing up some of those new, uh, what do they call neocons that they always like to talk about, but I'm talking about the actual ones who are closer to the Libertarian Party, who are socially liberal and physically conservative, and that's a, a kind of Republican that a lot of people our age would be willing to get behind, but as long as they're still going to stay on partly to the religious right, and then there's the other half that is just old Reagan Republican, th- this party's never going to win again at least a major level office as far as uh, presidency goes. But the biggest issue that I have is this is a party that's still going to end up winning a lot of local government offices, and that's what we're going to get into uh, now. The state of Illinois is in the middle still of a budget crisis. We have a temporary bill or a temporary budget that gets us through to the end, uh, gets us to January, so it gets us through the end of the calendar year. There's... Funding for the schools through the end of the school year. But after that, we're going right back into a budget negotiation. The Democrats are trying to hold on to a supermajority in the Illinois House. They have one vote into a supermajority in the Senate, which they're afraid that they, in the state Senate, which they're afraid they might lose. Uh, all of which, if they were to lose those things, takes away their ability to override Rauner's vetoes, which forces us to even more of a stalemate because it's not like the Republicans are going to win back all of the levels of government. So the dysfunction that you've seen in the National Congress is now going to come even to a further level here in the Illinois state houses and state senates. So looking forward, AJ, this is typically the part where the parties are ramping up to win not just national elections, not just senator or gubernatorial. But they're also looking to win small state elections, state houses, state legislatures, city councils, and stuff like that that they always ramp up for. And due to the fact that social media has made all politics national, I'm curious, do you think that Trump affects going forward Republican races, Republican and Democrat races, here in our beloved home state? I mean, they do and they don't. Um, You know, if you look at the primary results um, in Illinois and how does that articulate into um, state and certain um, state Senate races, state House, state Senate races, um, it's going to affect more in the northern and central part of Illinois than the southern part. Because if you look at that primary map, as I was mentioning, 
um, you know, Ted Cruz had a big chunk of Central Illinois, which you know starts at Peoria, going down to Bloomington Normal, parts of Champaign-Urbana, um, going down to Springfield. Um, that chunk of Central Illinois is is really um, Ted Cruz land. Um, the, you're talking about religious conservatives, fiscal conservatives, um, if not downright libertarian in some regard. Whereas everything around that, the donut, if you if it were of Illinois, um, Trump got a lot of support in Southern Illinois. So from Springfield, Illinois South, a little bit of Western Illinois by the borders of Iowa and Missouri, and then our area, my area of like Whiteside, Lee County, voted for Trump. And these are people who generally just believe what he says that they are upset with um, what's going on. With war, how Democrats are screwing everyone else. Um, there needs to be term limits. There needs to be all this great shit that people complain about, but actually don't do anything. So uh, it, it's really going to affect how they're going to how they're going to vote and everything. Because there are some areas that they have to respond to certain things. Um, I know certain Rock Island Republicans, Rock Island County over by near Iowa, you know. They have to, you know, talk about Trump a lot. Say, you know, we understand where Trump's coming from, but we don't necessarily believe in that. And that's usually the message that usually resonates. You know, we're supporting Donald Trump, but just because he says that doesn't mean we actually believe it as well. <clears throat> but if you are a party that is about rebuilding, that's about, you know, getting behind the candidate, then your argument's kind of invalid when you're saying that you know he, he says one thing but we do something else it's, it's completely a farce because they do exactly what trump wants to do but they just don't want to take it upon themselves so it's going to be very interesting this coming um november on the state house side because there's a lot of republicans that are on the chopping block and one of them was ken sandrak who was the big um proponent of what the turnaround budget was for rounder he was the biggest loudmouth <clears throat> in the house, but due to um, certain efforts of emails that were leaked out, um, essentially forced him to resign his um, position and going back to the private sector to do law. So you, there's one person out right there, um, but there's other people that's really on the chopping block that I really love to see to go. Give me some names. I always like it when you name off uh, obscure people that no one's ever heard of. Well, there's some people like um, Mike Boast. And for those who are familiar with Mike Boast, he was on um, last week tonight on John Oliver's show where he was the guy who essentially <laughs> was um, uh, just yelling. And he had these pieces of paper and just threw them up in the air because he couldn't handle whatever was going on, what have you. Um, and he's that... Um, well, I'm sorry, he, well, he was a congressman, but still, that also is an effect. But I would love to see people like my own state senator, Tim Bivens, who is really on the Trump message. He's really about, you know, the immigration issue. He's really about, you know, law and order. And that's the kind of person that I really love to see go. There's a, another person... Um, can't think of her name right off the top of my head, but she's the Savannah mayor. She's actually running 
um, in the 71st um, house seat. And she's more of like a Carly Fiorina type of person, but she still has that Trump personality where she will say things that comes out of her mouth, but she will also, um, you know, stand behind what she says and everything. But even though she's a candidate and she's very beloved in the 71st district in certain Republican areas, um, you know, it could be a game changer because the person she's running against, which is Mike Smitty, um, is going through his own personal issues where he was caught in the chamber of the House chamber while there was discussion going on, and all of a sudden he was, you know, playing a video game and everything. Um, so you have that kind of crap going on. So, I mean, those are, those are a couple of examples that I would love to you know, not get elected as well as, you know, get out of General Assembly. Well, and then you're also, I mean, let's face it, you're also the fan and rightfully so in many ways of blowing up the two-party system and trying to get back to a a third-party way. But here's a question I have for you. Are there any states that you know of that are more third-party compatible, that have more third-party legislators and uh, reps than, let's say, Illinois that we're used to here? Well, if you look at the history of like third parties in general, um, mostly from the 80s forward, um, you can look at some elected officials who have been elected as such. The Green Party, as I said before, um, has a little over 100 elected Greens and everything. California and Wisconsin are the two biggest states that mostly votes for Green Party at the local level. Um, the, Green, the Green Party in Wisconsin has continually um, voted for a lot of people on their various um, county boards um, in, excuse me, the, uh, in California you have one county, which is Fairfax County, which is just in northern, El- or northern um, California where it's mostly green. Um, so that's People like um, Larry Bragman, Renee Goddard, John Reed, um, all of those who are on the town council <clears throat> right there in Fairfax and everything. Um, you also have people like my friend Jesse Townley um, in Berkeley who is on the rent stabilization board, which they're the ones that if you want to make sure your rent doesn't go up, you go to Jesse and everything. And Jesse and the rest on the board you know, determine if rent needs to go up in Berkeley and everything. Um, Even here in Illinois, there's some Greens elected. You have Peter Schwartzman, who's on the city council in Galesburg, Jessica Bradshaw, who's on the city council of um, Carbondale. Uh, You have in in Chicago, you have um, Michael Drennan, who's the um, Ridgeville Park District, which is Evanston, just right there north of Chicago. And if you go to um, other places, I mean, you, you, you can just throw a stone and you can hit a green. Same way with the libertarians. You can go across the country and see the nearly 200 elected um, libertarians that have been elected right here in Illinois as well. Um, so there are states that are more prone to vote third party. They have been the local level, but that doesn't mean they cannot be elected at the state level. The 
one of the things I wanted to get into um, was a an interesting political move, unexpected by me and a lot of people, was that Governor Bruce Rauner, who you and I, neither one of us are fans of, I think would be, that would be fair to say, moved and signed into law or has announced that he plans to sign into law, the decriminalization of marijuana in the state of Illinois. Now, decriminalization is not the same as legalization. So if any of you out there are about ready to light up a cross joint to celebrate the fact that you just heard that, uh, slow down, slow your roll, which I guess you don't really have to do because you've probably already smoked before you started rolling. But it doesn't mean that weed is legal. It just means that if you get pulled over with weed in the state of Illinois under an ounce, it's a ticket, not an arrest. And that you won't be sent to jail for having weed on you for personal use. That That's all it says. Uh, drug trafficking, still a serious offense. So, you know, if you're a seller, don't think that you can suddenly carry seven ounces everywhere you go. But that was a surprise move and a very interesting political maneuver. And I do wonder if the overall idea with that is to kind of ingratiate himself to younger libertarian voters and younger Democratic voters and try to get a little bit more favor. What do you think? Well, I think there's that, but if you notice on um, Senate Bill 2228, which is the decriminalization of small amount of marijuana, um, you know, I think he's doing that a little bit, but notice it never, I didn't see it in the language, that it did talk, didn't talk about retroactively, you know, getting people out of jail who've been arrested as such. Hey, let me ask you about that, because it's always been an interesting thing to me. Um, do you think that that should happen? It should. I mean, if he really wanted to play ball, not only he should have done what he did, which is decriminalize Smalls amount, you know, anything under an ounce, as you said, um, but also say, you know, retroactively, you know, release those who have been arrested for that small amount also. Because I think that would have won him a lot of sympathy pe- sympathy votes as well as people giving him a, a, di- a different look, you know. So if I was one of his advisors, I would say, hey, hey, Bruce, you know, if we can say, you know, retroactively, you know, release those in the last five years, let's say, um, that would be huge in a lot of ways. You're... <laughs> Not only freeing up, you know, prisons, but you're also saying that, you know, I, I really do care about, you know, African-American families, which he has said on the campaign trail that he is the African-American candidate and he's done a lot for the African-American community. And he has said he's the he said he's the African-American candidate. Well, yeah, because he I mean, has no, 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 been no. There. Did he use that phrase exactly? The only reason I'm asking you know, that is... Phrase, it was that phrase of not similar phrasing as such. I'm just saying that's a funny thing for a white guy from Northbrook to say. That's but all. He only says that because he has a charter school that's primarily, primarily African-American that he has helped fund um, a lot of businesses on the south side of Chicago that he has you know, worked with a lot of um, African-American leaders and what have you. Um, so that's the only way he said that, and you know, and he's given money to the NAACP, uh, such so forth and so forth. So, I mean, he has said that on that campaign trail, and Quinn could never have said that. So, by him saying that, if not related to that phrasing, if he would have said, 
or if he would have said, you know, I want to take this step further, that I also, by executive order, release um, those in prison for less of an ounce within, let's just even say two years, you know, that's still huge. That is still huge. And that you're taking that bold step to say that I actually do care about a community that always gets in trouble with the law because of the complexion of their skin. I, I will say that I've always had, and this is just me personally now, and it's, it's, it's one of those issues that I'm glad I'm not in public office for. Uh, I've always been iffy on the whole releasing somebody retroactively to a law. And the only reason I say that is because uh, I'm always afraid of somebody retroactively punishing for a law, which I know is like legally impossible, but it's not out of the realm of, I guess it's, it, it, to me it's always felt not out of the realm of possibility. If you start going one way that you can go back to the other. Uh, however, marijuana arrests, marijuana imprisonment is a huge drain on the state budget uh, for no reason. I mean, we're talking nonviolent offenders who don't deserve to be removed from society. And realistically, and this is, this is the part of the problem I have with the whole decriminalization, legalization issue. You know, how many people do you know, AJ, even uh, people who oppose some of the stuff that we stand for, are really truly think that marijuana is, a ba- is on the same level as crack and heroin? Oh, a lot of people outside of Chicago. Really? Like down by you? Of is course, that, is, of course. Okay, because it's, it's because they still feel it's that gateway drug or they really feel that, you know, have, you know, smoking or dealing cannabis is at the same level of, you know, smoking, snorting or dealing heroin, crack, <laughs> um, meth. It's, it's on the same level because a drug's a drug, no matter what. But they'll still buy alcohol on Tuesday. Because it's legal. Right. I don't... This is where we start getting into the whole thing that I just don't understand about people. Because it's not... Even if you don't like marijuana, why can you not acknowledge the fact that... It's, it's the little stuff. Like, alcohol is responsible for all the car accidents. Marijuana isn't. Smoking causes lung cancer. Marijuana doesn't. And it's like all these little things that all add up for the stuff that is legal. And then the stuff that is illegal, everyone's like, well, it's clearly the devil's weed. And, and, and it's this double standard of stuff that I just never have understood. And now you've got a, a Republican governor who's decriminalized it, but they're not going to push for legalization. And I'm, I don't think that it's fair to ask people uh, like myself what we think because, you know, like I'm, I've, I, I'm a weed smoker. I, I enjoy it every now and then. And I'm just saying that I understand to some people why you shouldn't be completely legal, but people shouldn't be in jail for it either. It's a weird issue. And it's actually, in my opinion, one of the more complicated issues in the country right now because you have states that have legalized it that have had a boon in their own budgets. You know, look at what's happening in Colorado with their school systems. And at the same time, I can understand the gateway argument. I know, and this is where you and I might disagree, I am not saying that smoking marijuana is is more likely to lead you to do other drugs. I've never said that that's the case, but I do believe it exposes you to drug culture. 
And drug culture is a different thing than people realize. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not like you show somewhere up and, you, and you're smoking marijuana for the first time and you, they, they immediately go, oh, if you like that, here's some crack. But it's it opens you up to meet people who do that sort of thing. Well, remember we had our guest, Allison White, who, you know, is a recovering, you know, heroin addict herself. And she never once mentioned that she smoked marijuana that led her to heroin. It was available. It was there. (laughs) So she did it. And, you know, and she's gotten a lot of trouble with that and everything. So I think it's a complete farce to say that, you know, if you do marijuana, then you're going to do other drugs and everything. You know, I mean, I I drink, you know, I too have participated in smoking marijuana and everything. You partook and inhaled? I have. And I'm not doing, you know, hard drug, other hard drugs and other drugs, I should say. Um, And at the same token, you know, to what you're saying also is that. When you have this thing called law, when you have this thing called public policy, once you start saying this is what it is and this is how we're going to enact it, then that's when the mentality of people starts to change. If you tell them that this is a law and you ought to abide by it, if not, then there's no order to it, then people are going to freak out. So since because we have this thing called law, a lot of people are so hardened on this idea that if you tell them alcohol is fine because it's legal, marijuana is not good because it's illegal, you know, even though one can kill you, the other one could also kill you, but we both know that if you drink more alcohol, you're going to die of liver cancer or something else. With marijuana, you're going to be sleeping. Yeah, you'd have to smoke three. <laughs> it's something like to die from a THC overdose, you'd have to smoke three pounds in two hours or something like that. Or something very, a very, very high concentrated amount. Yeah. Of it, you know? I mean, look, if you want to start talking about dabs, the which is the new way of doing of, of smoking marijuana, which I personally hate, which is the hash oil-based stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know about that stuff. I don't know what goes into making that stuff. Which is why I personally don't do it. But if you're talking about something that comes out of the ground and isn't really touched by any chemicals or pesticides, uh, yeah, I, I don't see a problem with it. I also, and, and the alcohol argument is the best argument against it. One, if you drink three a handle of Jack Daniels by yourself in an hour, you're going to die. If you smoke an eighth of weed to yourself in an hour... One, you're not going to finish it. Two, you're going to eat a crap load of Cheetos, and then you're going to pass out while watching Star Trek on a Monday night because you decided that you were done with politics and maybe you wanted to play a little Xbox, but you smoked too much to be able to do it. So instead of watching Monday Night Raw, you just threw on Star Trek Enterprise and watched the battle with the Zindi for the 100th time. I'm not saying that that happens to people. I'm just saying it's a possibility. That's the thing. I mean, you. I mean, yeah, if you smoke a lot in a few hours... And you drive. Yes, you are impaired to drive. You know? Yeah. So it's not like you're, you're not going to be impaired because you are. And furthermore, that's where those of us have to be a little bit more. And I know I'm going to get crap for this. Be a little bit more responsible 
when you partake in everything. And yes, you know, those who are addicted to it, that's a different story. I understand that. But I'm not talking about addiction quite yet. I'm just talking about understanding that if you're going to participate in something, that there's going to be consequences after that and everything. And those consequences, unfortunately, is impairment, you know. And if you're an addict, then yes, then there's something that we need to help you with. And then that way we can get you more to a more responsible level for you. The, does that make sense? It does. No, it totally makes sense. But but I would also say, just from personal experience, uh, the person who smokes enough weed that they're going to be impaired to drive is also the person who's too lazy to get up off the couch to drive. But I mean, as, like I said, I know heroin addicts who, you know, will do will inject it in the morning, do what they need to do, go to work, function, take the lunch. Inject some more, do what they need to do, go back to work, and, and they're functioning. You know, I know some functioning alcoholics and everything. But again, I, I guess I'm really want to emphasize the difference between that, which is an addiction, and you know, like enjoying yourself and understanding what you're doing. I want to get off of the marijuana thing, uh, just because as as interesting as it is. Uh, I do also believe that that's one of those political moments that's kind of in, like, it's still going to take work, it's still going to take effort, but I, I, I do see that within the next five to ten years, uh, you'll have a presidential candidate running under the idea of complete legalization and uh, for a major party, by the way, and I think that that will be... Uh, a major turning point in that argument. But I think that that's, I think marijuana uh, legalization is kind of how gay marriage was 10 years ago, where it's talked about, it's debated, there are a lot of people against it, there are a lot of people for it. But as time goes on and it wins out, plus, if you're a Republican talking about physical conservative and you're trying to think about state budgets, how can you not look at the states that have passed it and, and the, just the massive amount of tax dollars that they're generating, aside from anything else? And if you're going to do lottery, which destroys communities, if you're going to do alcohol, which destroys communities, if you're going to support tobacco, which destroys people, then the least you can do is support the one intoxicant that can also solve environmental crises by growing hemp and uh, allowing you to make paper out of something that's much more cheap and sustainable uh, towards long-term global climate change, which, you know, is another issue that we need to get into for another show. But we've been doing this for about 40 minutes now, AJ, and I, I want to kind of get into a couple little things here as far as our wonderful state is concerned. Going forward towards the national election and with what you do, uh, what are the areas that national politicians, I was thinking specifically Hillary, Gary Johnson, and Jack Asvon Hairpiece, have to hit in Illinois to make voters support them? Or, and this is the other question, in the national stage, do you think that that election is already decided and all we're doing is waiting to vote? Um, I don't think it is entirely decided. Um, so when we're, when we're talking about the election, um, we have to understand, like, if we're talking about Illinois specifically... We we're talking about Illinois over, specifically today. What? Illinois specifically. Right. A little over, let's call it 13 million people 
in the state of Illinois. Okay. Um, that's a lot of people and there's a lot of diversity within all that. You know, we're talking a, a nice, healthy percentages of, you know, whites, um, Hispanic and black. Um, we're talking a lot of different ages. Um, there are some counties now that the median age is around 30 years old um, versus, you know, being 65 or higher. Um, so it's, it's, it's a mixed bag. And I think Illinois is going to be one of those very interesting states where it could go one way or another. Um, when we Before we started doing this episode um I, I was telling you about how fox 43 out of pennsylvania um they had a they, they did their own online poll um so even though it's unscientific it was very interesting to see regardless that you had a little over thirty thousand people going to the fox 43 website going into this online poll and say if if you were going to vote for somebody in 2016, who would it be? So they had Trump, Clinton, Jill Stein from the Green Party, Gary Johnson from the Libertarian Party. And it was really scary because I never thought I was ever going to see this. Um, 70% said Jill Stein in Pennsylvania. Why is that scary to you? Well, because it's, it's scary in a good way. Because I've never seen that at all. Um, it, was, it was like a scary shock. It's like, oh, wow, um, this is new. <laughs> this, is, this is new information. Um, and trying to process this and everything. I've always been the person gearing up people for you know, things like that to happen. I never thought I would actually see it <laughs> at times. Um, so at 70% and you know, Trump and Clinton got single digits... I had to go to 27 to win. And if you go on that site, there's a third-party interactive map. So what's to say for the sake of argument that um, Pennsylvania goes green, you know? And if you look at the other states and how they're going to play out, if, you, if, if Hillary and the Donald got their respective southern states... And if you also factor in, you know, states that would normally vote Republican or Democrat, so like California would vote for Clinton, Texas would vote for Trump. And if you look at the battleground Midwest states, with Pennsylvania out of the picture for both Trump and Clinton, Clinton will still win. And I found that very interesting, that if you just threw that anomaly out there and that's not even a state to be considered for trump or clinton and that's 20 electoral points right there well you said it was an online poll though right right i mean so the people responding it's as any online poll is always the same thing because what happens is the dedicated followers of one person get alerted to it on social media and they swarm to it but it's it's interesting intellectual exercise However, you did bring up an interesting point, and I, we can switch back to national for a second because uh, you mentioned Texas. Uh, there is, and you and I talked about it, I think, three years ago, right after the last election, on the Turn Texas Blue movement. And with Ted Cruz 
being so vehemently against Donald Trump in both the debates and at the convention, I really do wonder what the effect of that is on Texas. Because there are a lot of loyal Cruz people down there. And they may not vote for Clinton, but they're not going to vote for Trump either. And if you get the Latin voter sign up that they're looking for down there, Hillary could win Texas. And if Hillary wins Texas, then she wins in an electoral landslide, not just a national vote landslide. Well, I mean, I mean, the, the Rio Grande Valley alone and Austin and the Austin area, and I'm throwing San Antonio in there, um, more than likely would be enough votes, I feel, that would put Hillary at the top um, or, yeah, Clinton over the top than Trump and everything. Um, so, I mean, that's one interesting thing also and when you're talking about a state like Texas because um, the one thing I, you know, I, I mentioned, you know, Pennsylvania, because Pennsylvania in some regards is like Illinois, because Illinois is that blue collar state. It is a little bit more diverse than Pennsylvania, but if you look at what Pennsylvania demographics are, they're almost similar to Illinois demographics. Um, you're looking at pretty much a white male driven state. Um, a lot of manufacturing goes in Illinois. A lot of issues pertain to um, jobs in the economy are just similar to Pennsylvania. And if you have a, an anomaly, even though it's an unscientific poll, but still 3,000 is nothing to sneeze at, um, even though you may rig that in some regards, to even show that kind of number and then apply that to Illinois... That's why I say Illinois is a mixed bag because you do have enough people in Illinois to vote third party. And it's not the first time Illinois voted for a third party candidate. Um, 06, they voted for Rich Whitney, who got 10% of the general election vote and everything. Jill Stein is on the ballot in Illinois. So when you now have someone on the ballot like Jill Stein, as well as Gary Johnson, and Gary Johnson got 1% or better in all 102 counties. In Illinois, you know, and, and Stein didn't even get that. So when you look at those factors, that's why I think Illinois is going to be interesting. It's interesting. You think Illinois is interesting in the presidential stage, really? I think so. I mean, I mean, yeah, one could say, yeah, it's, it's a Clinton state. Don't bother. There, there, that's very, that's a very solid thing to think about. But I still think, you know, Illinois is not quite that battle state like um, Michigan and Wisconsin and Nevada. But, you know, Illinois could swing one way or another. I mean, I think a lot of people really underestimate on how much Illinois is really a swing state. It really is. Um, it is in that crossroads of America, excuse me, that it can go Republican, it can go Democrat. It can go really independent if it really wanted to. Um, I, I think a lot of people discredit Illinois as a potential swing state because of how the election we just had with our gubernatorial can our gubernatorial race now Trump in the mix. But the gubernatorial um, well, hold on, let's go back. But the gubernatorial race with Rauner and Quinn, 
Quinn was coming off of not only one of the most disastrous runs politically in governor in, in, in Illinois history, but also he was either fairly or unfairly considered a, a part of the Blagojevich whole deal. So there was that into it as well. Plus, you've had the history of Mike Madigan. I mean, there are a lot of reasons why Bruce Rauner won the governor's race. But to say, like, look, man, Illinois hasn't voted Republican since 1988. Uh, not to mention the fact that you're going to have, especially in Illinois, Dem- uh, Barack Obama is going to be campaigning here. Uh, I, I, and Chicago and Cook County are s- going to go so blue it's not even funny. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 just a question of whether or not they can generate enough states now enough votes down low in the state to to override what's going to happen up north. And I think that I mean, yes, is Illinois an important state? Yeah, it's a Democrat as of, for the last ten year twelve years, it's been a Democratic stronghold. I mean, it's been where Democrats can count on votes from. It would take for them to swing Illinois into Donald Trump's column for 20 electoral votes would require a lot of money. A lot and of you have a lot of counties outside of Cook County. I, that's I, what I'm, that's what I was saying is that you can't just factor in Cook County to say Illinois one. You know, that's one county and sure you can factor in the other collared counties as well, but you still have you got you got you, know, you got to work on your counties. <laughs> You gotta work on your pronunciation of collar counties. You got you gotta, because it sounds like you're saying colored counties. I mean, it's, it's just I know that that's not what you're saying, but this is just for me to you, my friend. No one's listening. This isn't part of the podcast or anything. But just when you say collared counties, it's 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 just I'm just letting you know as a friend. This is a friend, okay? This is a safe place, AJ. It's a safe place. You you, you gotta work on it because it keeps sounding like you're saying colored. Well, you're the first person who ever said that because I've never heard that at all. And I'm not saying that to be mean at you. I just never heard that at all. Okay. And, and I'm, just, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just kind of trying to be funny. I'm not, I'm not insinuating you're being mean. It's just I've never – no one's ever said that. Okay. And, and I've said well, no, it's, it's, it's like enough when you... times on radio that no one's ever said that to me. Okay. That's uh, all. Okay. But no, I know, but it's something to reflect on. It, it is. It's, it's like when you're talking about – Brock Lesnar was getting ready for his last fight, and his opponent was Mark Hunt. You got to be careful how you say Mark Hunt. You got to be careful because it can slip into something else pretty damn easy. There are names. There, I'm just you know, just for the sake of of, of breaking up the monotony of our phone. I'm, I didn't mean to just cut you off. I was just trying to have some fun. I apologize. I feel like I've upset you now, and now I feel guilty. And this is not the Catholicism. You know, I'm going to go out and hit myself with a ceviche earlier, (laughs) (laughs) which no one wants to see. Um, We're coming up on the end of the show here, man. Is there anything else going on in the going on in the world that we need to talk about? Should we get into uh, any movie news or anything like that? We still haven't really hit anything about Comic-Con. You want to do that for a couple minutes? Yeah, let's try that. All right. So. Comic-Con came out, uh, was during the, in, in the weekend, in between the Republican convention and the Democratic convention, there was another convention, it was the San Diego Comic-Con, which is where all the nerd news for the next six months are generated from, and there were some really cool trailers released. Have you seen the new Justice League trailer, AJ? No. Um, some of my friends have said it's good, others say it's better than they expected, um... I haven't seen it yet, 
because um, I'm just kind of gearing up for this um, conference I'm going to in Jersey and everything, and actually more excited to see Suicide Squad this Friday. Yeah, I'm excited for that one, too. That looks really, really good. But I'll tell you that the Justice League trailer, it feels like it leans into the Suicide Squad attitude a little bit more. And there's a lot more funny scenes with Ben Affleck, which is what he does very well. Uh, that looked really good. You, they released uh, the new Doctor Strange trailer, which I know you're excited for because you're a big Cumberbitch, and mm-hmm. so am I. And then there's the, the big news, though, was they announced that uh, – oh, I want to get her name right. Um, they have the, the new uh, – Brie Larson is Captain Marvel. And they brought her out, and they they had her come out to the Marvel panel. So the other than Wonder Woman, Marvel's first female superhero will have a movie made, and it will be Captain Marvel, and that'll be happening right before Avengers three. Uh, just as for social issues and stuff, that's a big deal. I mean, this is a this is a, a franchise that by that point will be sixteen movies deep, and it'll finally be, uh, be a female centric movie. How do you feel about that? I mean, I can go one way or another. I mean, we've we've talked about before about you know changing characters um, either for the sake of it or trying to change a certain narrative or message about it. Um, I mean, I can really go one way or another. I mean, as as long as it's a good character, as long as you know they're keeping track on what that character is supposed to be about, I'm fine with it. I mean, it could be. A, a lesbian black woman, for all I care, you know. Well, this but as long, but as, long as they keep what the characters. Well, about, just just to let I'm you know, fine. there's 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 been a long term rights battle on the name Captain Marvel. There are right. in fact two Captain Marvels. There's Captain Marvel in the DC universe, which is Shazam, and then there's Captain Marvel in the Marvel universe, which sounds redundant, but it's uh, it's that's always been Carol Danvers. She's an X Man. Uh, it it goes back like forty years in history and everything, but they have the the two characters and I and I see what you're saying, um, and it's an argument. It's not an argument that we've had. It's a discussion that we've had a hundred times, and and it goes back to the idea of Idris Elba as Batman, which is just a great idea. Don't change anything about the character. Just cast Idris Elba as Bruce Wayne and then have fun with that amazing moment. The Final thing in movies, though, that I want to get to with you, and then I want to get to a story that's breaking right now on CNN before we get out, is when it comes to these movies and it comes to everything that's going on, I I want to tell you that I had a cathartic religious experience over the weekend, um, last weekend, and it was after the Republican convention, um, going into the DNC with the email scandal that broke on that Sunday morning, I was feeling, I don't know about you, AJ, but more than anything else this political season, what I think it's important to talk about, especially people like you and me and people who follow this stuff a lot uh, very closely, is I've started to feel disheartened about a lot of things. I've started to feel sad. I mean, the fact that this Khan story, and I, I'm only going to keep, I, I mean, no disrespect to Mr. Khan or his wife, um, I, 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 Love and respect you both. I'm only calling you Khan because I just want to get to the point where he has to scream it out loud. I made the joke at the beginning of the show, and, and I'm just I just want that to happen so bad. I'm trying to will it into existence. But speaking of Khan, not the family of the of uh, of, of the hero soldier, but the evil villain from Star Trek. 
I went and I've been feeling down the last couple of weeks. I mean, when you cover this stuff as much as we have, the rhetoric that you get, the fights I'm having with people online or in real life, like my dad's cousin last night at the restaurant, which this part of the story I never got to, by the way, AJ, was that while we were all arguing, while we were all fighting, I literally, right before I walked out the door, went, here's the thing. Liberals are always right. Conservatives are always wrong. History proves that to be ca- the case. Hillary Clinton, and then his his wife looks and goes, Hillary Clinton is a murderer. And I went, she's not a murderer. She's generally a pretty good person. And I just looked at my aunt and went, all right. And I did like the hand motion of dropping a hand grenade. And then I walked out of the restaurant. <laughs> and I was like, here, here's your emotional hand grenade for a discussion. I'm going to leave now. But I've been feeling down. And I don't know about you, but have you have you experienced that, this like, melancholy feeling because of how bad things are looking politically in some instances? Well, I mean, I've said before, I mean, I'm starting to get more people criticizing, like, what I do and, you know, people who I vote for, who I'm about to vote for and everything. And it's it's kind of scary where you're now having people <laughs> kind of condemning you. Yeah. That you're not voting for They're a Democrat. What? And it's like, you don't understand how voting works. You don't understand. Um, I mean, and, and again, you don't like the show, but I do. Um, but there is one like line of Doctor Who I really love in his big speech that says, you know, I have knowledge and secrets that you can't even fathom. And then that's why I want to tell people half the time. Is like, like, I know things, I've experienced things, and I've seen things that you have not had. So don't sit there and tell me I'm wrong because you fucking don't know what you're talking about. And, and that's what really kills me at the end of the day is when you have someone look in your face saying you're part of the problem. Like, no, you're part of the problem because you don't understand how the election system works. You don't understand anything that goes on in politics. You don't get involved in your community. You're not that civic engagement person that I would like to see. So don't sit there and tell me that I'm wrong because you haven't done a goddamn thing to make the progress that we need to see in the state of Illinois or in this country. Or even something as simple as taking the time to truly educate yourself on the topics that you're choosing to debate with me about. I mean, that's the stuff that really drives me crazy is even if you're not going to go like because you know, I argue with you all the time that you should just vote for Hillary Clinton and shut up and do the right thing, and you and you and I will argue about it. But at least you know that my argument is coming from an informed place. Right. You know what I'm saying? And the thing that's really started to annoy me lately is that people will argue with me about voting for Hillary or Trump or even a third-party candidate or writing in Bernie or whatever, and you try to push them on what the issues that they believe in, and the person that they're going to vote for stands against what they think that they're voting for that person for. Mm-hmm. that's the stuff that really gets to me. So I was feeling sad, and I was feeling disheartened, plus with all the terrorism and all the shootings of, of unarmed black people and the shootings of cops and just the general shitty nature of the news right now. I went to the theater, AJ, and I and I shout out my religion, and my religion reaffirmed me. My I was baptized in the waters of Trek, and I emerged spiritually clean. Uh, I went and saw Star Trek Beyond, and it... Uh, as only that franchise can do to me, gave me hope for the future. And it's the we haven't really talked about this a lot because I try to not bring it up as often as... I mean, I know I bring it up. As much as you people listening think I bring up Star Trek a lot, believe me when I tell you, it is not nearly as much as I would like to. 
But here's the thing. I've heard, you've heard me say on the show, AJ. You've heard me talk on your show back in the old station, on my show, that it is, it is truly my religion. Like, I don't, I don't believe, I don't know what I believe as far as spirituality goes, but as far as a goal for humanity, I have always believed in Trek. And to go see that movie with all of this going on reaffirms to me how important the power of science fiction, but specifically positive science fiction is. And it was so nice for a couple hours to just kind of forget how shitty the world is and be reminded that, no, yes, it can be bad, but we can get past it and we can achieve these things. And I just want to say to people, you may not like Trek. I get it. It's geeky. It's nerdy. Maybe don't watch the shows. Maybe don't even watch all of the movies. But try to watch a little of it when you're feeling down about the world. And I think, AJ, you'll get with me on this a little bit. There is something very powerful in that show and in that franchise. That Star Wars is amazing, and it is the best entertainment you'll probably ever watch in your life. But if you want something that's actually going to make you feel good about you, the world, your family, humanity in general, a little bit of Star Trek can help. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's aspects of um, Star Trek that I would love to see happens and everything. No money. Um, what? No money. I, I like that one. Well, it's the thing. I mean, that's what I like about the slight utopian aspect of Star Trek that, you know, you don't hear one time someone saying this cost this, that cost that versus Star Wars. They're talking about taxes and tariffs and all the political BS that we, you, you, that we you, deal with on an everyday basis. Um, episode two, a civics lesson. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's some philosophy of Star Trek that a lot of people need to apply from time to time. And, you know, I'm not a Trekkie. Um, I do like Star Trek, um, but I'm not, I don't quote line by line, Star Trek and everything, but I, I do highly enjoy watching the movie and the TV show. I remember growing up watching the TV show, um, even though there were reruns half the time. So um, I like it, and I think if more people would understand more of the life one would lead in Star Trek, I think we would have a better place. As or the- just watch Doctor Who, I'm just saying. <sighs> You go see Utopian Worlds through a time machine. Yeah, and then the little trash cans. You, you, you can choose to go to Look, and then the little trash cans with the ray guns show up, and everything goes to pot. The Daleks. Yeah, I know what they're called. I deliberately didn't say them because I didn't want to, because I don't want to acknowledge the fact that I know what they freaking called. It's a bad show for British people. There's only one good show. Exterminate. Exterminate. Yeah, you have that one. I got I got a better villain. Resistance is futile. We will add your biological and technological distinctiveness to our own. In time, your culture will learn to service us. But you see, you, you, you're misunderstanding Daleks because Daleks is really the nihilistic society that we actually have and everything. And so Doctor Who, in his really progressive utopian nature, really wants to get rid of the nihilism that is really destroying society. <sighs> The special effects are terrible. <laughs> I don't 
care what you say. Okay. Well, we're it's it's still a good show. You Look, know, at the I end of the day, it, it, downside, it, it, you know, yeah, good, but use one to throw the graphics in there because you have no other thing to say. Listen, if you keep this up, eventually you're going to start a nerd civil war with Whovians on one side and Trekkies on the other. It won't win. No, you won't win. And here's why. Because at the end of the day, at some point, there'll be a need to do something really technologically advanced. And I'll be able to explain it in a very simple metaphor. And as a result, be able to defeat you. Because that's what happens in Trek. And anyway, so... Besides our little nerd fight there, go see Star Trek Beyond, AJ. It's really, really good, and it's a, it is it is it's the best of the new bet. Ca- of the cast. It's it's they re- do a really good job with how they're doing. The, dare I say the ne- the Neo Star Trek movies? Um, it's te- I really like them. It's technically referred to as the Kelvin timeline because much like Doc Brown and Back to the Future 2, if you draw a line of saying this is Star Trek history and then Nero went back and now it skews into this tangent, which is real for Biff and Einstein, or which is unreal to you, me, and Einstein, but is reality to everyone else. For the record, that lesson also teaches us what happens when Trump becomes president because Biff is based on Trump. And Back to the Future 2, just saying. Um, well, that's why I rely on Doctor Who, because he explained that too. Well, okay, but not as well as Doc Brown. But better. It's not, though. Yes. Muck fry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right, before we get out of here, this is the story I wanted to get to that was just breaking. I wanted to make sure that we got it. Um the CEO of the Democratic National Committee has announced that she will be resigning uh, in the wake of the email hacking controversy. Amy Dacey is the highest ranking official in the DMC to step aside due to the matter, and it, she will not be the only one. The f- official did not provide further details. Uh, she is respected by the Hillary Clinton's campaign and is a member of the deep inner circle. It was first reported by Politico. Uh, and then, of course, we had the earlier resignation last week of uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, or as I like to call it, the best uh, last name for a Democrat in history. Uh, yeah, so the fallout from this stuff is still happening. And I, if only, look, any other time in any other election, the Democrats would have no shot at winning in November. But they're running against the hairpiece. So, but, you know, Amy Dacey, I never liked her from the word go. Okay, I don't know. Here's the truth. I don't really know a lot about this level of the Democratic Party. What do you know about Amy Dacey and why don't you like her? I'm just curious. I, this is me coming at it completely ignorant. So Amy Dacey used to work for SEIU and for Emily's List and everything. And she's only been the CEO of the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, for only two years. Okay? So that's why I'm a little shocked that within two years, this big fuck-up happened. Um, Previous to that, she was the executive director on Emily's List for three years. And Emily's List is the big women's um, backing for... Pretty much any Democrat that's going to run for office, you need Emily's List. You know, um, they work with a lot of women's community organizations, a lot of Democratic Party organizations. Um, I actually helped one of my own students to become an intern at Emily's List at one point years, years ago. Um, You know, she was a high-ranking official with SEIU and so everything about her is entrenched in corporate 
politics. Um, and that's who she is. Um, and I've never liked her because she's so entrenched in that. And she just is what I call one of these, how did I refer to it last time? Uh, one of these fake professionals. And when I say fake professionals, they talk a certain way. They have an image which is a certain way. Um, if you want a, an excellent example of this, pay attention to um, Hillary's um, director of communications, which is Christina Schank, uh, or Shank, I believe. Um, and she's on the network shows. Listen to her. The way she conducts herself, the way she speaks, that for me is fake speech. She is trying to convey a certain voice to a certain group of Democrats and everything, as well as to a certain professionals. And Amy Dacey is another person like that. And she, like I said, she's so entrenched in corporate politics that for this to happen, like I said, it's a shock because she's only been there for a couple of years, but also a huge game changer for the Democratic Party. Um, if, if she's gone, then those surrounding her is also going to be gone. And, and I can't emphasize this enough. The, it's not the people who run for office. It's the people that surround themselves around a certain person. That's the person you have to worry about. And if I had to be an operative for a Republican, I mean, those are the people I would go after, not candidates. I would go after staff, and I would go after rank and file people in certain positions because those are the ones, those are the pillars that you need to knock out in order to win an election. The whole point that I'm trying to, but what I'm trying to say here is any other election, any other time in American history, the Republicans would have this thing won in a slam dunk just due to all of this controversy on the Democratic side. It's just that the hairpiece is, is, is so divisive to people that it's, it's, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, here's the thing. Like, I've actually kind of come around a little bit more for actually voting for Hillary Clinton. It doesn't bother me as much as it did. I was a big Sanders guy, and that's saying a lot because I didn't know a lot about him before the election started, before the primary started. But I've come around on it. There's a lot of arguments to be made about, you know, 25 years of history making her seem a lot more corrupt than she actually is, whatever. But as a American citizen, just this email stuff is, is getting ridiculous. And any other time, I'd be considering a different candidate or something like that. But the hairpiece scares the shit out of me, so it's not even a question. Plus, again, I live in Illinois, and it's going to go blue despite your warnings. But it's only going to go blue, and this is, the I think, the last point we want to make. It's only going to go blue, ladies and gentlemen, guaranteed. And Hillary Clinton is only going to stop Donald Trump, guaranteed, or... At the very least, make a big dent if you get your ass out of your chair and vote and argue with people. And I think, AJ, if there's one message I could give to people going forward, um, and we'll get into this next week a lot because we're going to have uh, – we, we haven't really announced it yet, but we're picking a fight next week, and I'll get to that in a second. But if if you care about this stuff at all, if anything that that arrogant blowhard who looks like a Cheeto – has upset you get out and argue with people and i mean that destroy their arguments for trump you can do it take the time learn the information and argue with family members and the reason you do it by the way is not 
so you can argue with the person that you're fighting with. It's the people around them that you're fighting for. There's a guy online who I fight with all the time, and I don't fight with him to fight with him. I fight with him so that nobody else gets sucked into his little hate-filled, cowardly world. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So get your ass up and get registered. Register, make sure your friends are registered and vote, no matter who you're going to vote for. Vote your conscience. To quote a certain evil Texas uh, senator. The, that's where I think we should kind of end this whole thing at. But should we tell people what we're planning for next week? Yeah. AJ and I are going to pick a fight. And uh, we are a very small organization. We found out recently that we have about 3,000 to 5,000 subscribers on any given basis. When we post an episode about it, it's downloaded about 3,000 times. That's a pretty nice base for a six to eight month operation. It's not it's not as good as we'd like it, but it's it's a it's showing a steady growth. But there is someone out there who has a much bigger following than we do, who is much more financially successful than we do. You notice I said financially, AJ, <laughs> financially successful, because as a human being, he is less than the scum that is on my shoe. And is it Warren Buffett. It is not Warren Buffett, who is a wonderful man and should be celebrated for everything that he's done, even if you disagree with some of his policies. The man is giving away his entire fortune to charity when he dies. Also, as George Soros done. As has George Soros has done, as has Michael Bloomberg. So this is a big thing. What do they call it? They call it taking the pledge? Yeah. Um, that's a, and that's a big deal. But here's the thing that I really want people to know that we're doing next week. We have decided, and uh, with AJ's uh, uh, approval, we're going to pick a fight with Alex Jones, and we're going to try to get on his radar and fight with this asshole because this is a man who, if you haven't heard of, um, we are going to tell you what he know, what who he is, what he stands for, why he needs to be stopped, why he's a racist, why he's a coward, and most importantly, why when you're going to argue and fight with somebody like that, you need to bring your A game. So AJ is going to be going out of town for the rest of the week. He's going to New Jersey to fight the good fight and, more importantly, to teach people how to fight the good fight. Would that be fair to say? Yeah. Okay. And he's going to kick ass and do what he does. But when he comes back, we're going to spend a couple days each. I'm going to spend the rest of this week and some of next week getting ready for this. We're going to go at Alex Jones who is on his website called Infowars.com. The man is a racist coward who spreads nothing but hate and fear. And I find his message offensive. I find it offensive that people listen to him. I find it offensive that he exists. And AJ, maybe not feeling as strongly as I do or is keeping it under wraps, is right there with me for this. And we're going to go at this son of a bitch. And if possible, we're going to do what we can to fight him. Uh, because this is a man who is spreading hate into the world. And as much as I might be a miserable, sarcastic, angry, fat, nerd, any other, uh, what else? Got any other insults towards me, AJ? Uh, a Democrat Sox fan. I don't spread hate. I don't think that our show is about that. Our spread is about spreading information and teaching you, not teaching you, but trying to just get the message out there that it's okay to love other people. And that it's okay to accept people who are different from you. This is not a man who does that. This is a man who spreads hate. And there is nothing more to me offensive than a man with a, with a platform spreading hate. So next week, uh, probably on Wednesday, we're going to release an episode. And we are going to post it to every Alex Jones site that we can find and try to take this motherfucker down. Uh, we're probably not going to succeed. But I believe that for evil to triumph, good men need to do nothing. And I refuse to do nothing. 
and I believe my good buddy is right there with me. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, and I said it before, I mean, when I first got introduced to Alex Jones, it was more trying to understand certain conspiracy theories. And, you know, when I started listening to him, like, oh, this guy just talks about, you know, Lizard Man and Bohemian Undergrove, blah, blah, blah. But when I started listening more about what he talks about politically and how he assaults people, uh, either on his show or don't invite him, but he'll still assault him like Glenn Beck does, uh, which is a, that's another person on my radar, uh, then I have, a, I have a problem with that. If, if you are broadcasting um, the way you broadcast and you have a podcast and you are in a broadcasting profession, um, I think it's high time that certain people – Go after those who shouldn't be in broadcasting. And if that means doing what Nick and I do and having every other episode where we're just bashing somebody so that they can come on our show because obviously he won't respond to my messages or any of their editors on InfoWars respond to my messages, then we're going to take it to them and... I'm happy if they want to come to our playground because or want us to come to theirs. I'll sit on. His- I'll, I'll be. I'll be. I'll be ecstatic to be on his show. You know, and, just to say I'm on a show and yell you know? at his stupid racist face, and then just go out and 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 I, and I know what it's going to be like. I I know I probably won't change his heart or mind, but at least I can do it in person and not just say, "Well, he's an asshole." And da 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 da. Yeah, no. You can look I, at- I'd rather do it to his face yeah. and explain why. And then if you have a little bit of warmth of emotion that changes your mind, then I did my job. But I know what I'm going to get myself into as well as Nick. And we we know we won't change his heart or mind, like I said. But at least we can do it in person because I'd rather fight in person than just you know be a coward and not do it to our face yeah so that's what we're going to try to do next week ladies and gentlemen we're going to try to take down alex jones or at least get as much of it out there as we can and uh it's going to be fun for us and hopefully it yeah hopefully we'll manage to fight the good fight so aj anything else to plug promote talk about or do before we say goodbye how you doing i'm doing good how you doing 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 how you doing? All right, we got to stop. Otherwise, we will both keep going into perpetuity. And the next hey, thing you my, know. Hey, my boy Enzo, he knows how to do it. Well, it's because he's a certified G and That's a right. bona fide stud. And you can't teach that. AJ Apparently said, with a new girlfriend. What? Apparently with a new girlfriend. More power to him. Uh, AJ, say goodbye to the wonderful people. Bye, people. This has been Chicago Podcast Network's Out Front with AJ and Nick. I am Nick Serranos. I was joined on the interwebs by AJ Signary. And we thank you so much for listening. Hope you guys contact us on the Gmail, Chicago Podcast Network at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter, Chi-Town Podcast One. Or you can e- uh, find us on Facebook, which is what we do to drive the main page, uh, which is Chicago Podcast Network on Facebook. Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we will talk to you guys next week when we attempt to pick a fight with someone much bigger than us. Because we are David, and we wish to take down Goliath with one lucky shot. We out! 106 miles to Chicago.
got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. You have been listening to the Chicago Podcast Network.